Today's scripture comes from Genesis chapter 6, verse 9 through 22. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God, and Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you are to make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits, its breadth, 50 cubits, and its height, 30 cubits. Make a roof for the ark and finish it to a cubit above, and set the door of the ark in its side. Make it with lower, second, and third decks. For behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die, but I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. And every living thing of all flesh you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female, of the birds according to their kinds, and of the animals according to their kinds, of every creeping thing of the ground according to its kind. Two of every sort shall come into, come into you to keep them alive." Also, take with you every sort of food that is eaten and store it up. It shall serve as food for you and for them. Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in a time of prayer once more. Lord, be with us as we delve into this passage together and as we Consider the life of Noah. Pray that would you um, remind us what it means to to walk with you faithfully. And if we haven't been doing that, Lord, would you rebuke us? But thank you that you are faithful. God, we commit this time to you. And in Christ, let me pray. Amen. Have you ever been um, ridiculed or mocked and yelled at for doing what is right? When was the last time that happened to you? Several weeks ago, um, I was at an intersection uh, waiting for a green light. And it's the intersection uh, where Northern and Cross Island Expressway meets. And I guess not, even to this day, not many people realize that there are four lanes there. The left two lanes are reserved for the cars that are turning left. And if you want to go straight, you have to stay on the, the right two lanes. So I was on one of the two left lanes waiting for the green light to turn left. And then the car behind me kept honking, like nonstop, to the point that, you know, Maya was sitting with me, and she's like, Daddy, what's going on? And I was like, I don't know, Maya, because we're we're waiting for the light. But he thought that I I was being stupid and, and not going when there was a green light. And he kept honking, honking, and to the point that I was this close from getting out of my car and telling him, and as I point to the, uh, to the pavement, left turn only, right? But before I can do that, by the grace of God, he decided to peel out. But on the way, he rolled down his window and cussed me out. And I was just so angry because I didn't do anything wrong. And it didn't sit well with me. And then it didn't make me feel good because 
I didn't do anything wrong. I was the one doing the right thing, right? I was waiting for my light to turn left. And if you know what that feels like, then you know what it feels like to be Noah. You know, today we're going to be considering the life of Noah. And during his days, it was, incre- it was really, really difficult, extremely difficult to, to walk with God. But Noah did faithfully. But as we consider his life and what he did and how he managed to walk with God faithfully, I want us to focus on two things. Uh, point number one, Noah's bold resistance. And point number two, Noah's radical obedience. Let's jump to the first point, Noah's bold resistance. See, when Adam and Eve sinned, mentioned in Genesis 3, everything changed once for all, right? I mean, sin came into the world and it wreaked havoc and destroyed what was once good, perfect, beautiful, and which was in perfect harmony. See, God created everything out of nothing, and by the word of his power, he spoke and everything came to be. And, and after seeing what he had created, God said that it was, it was good. But because of sin, things have changed for the worse. Verses 11 and 12, Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. See, in his book, Not the Way It's Supposed to Be, Cornelius Plantinga paints a vivid picture of what sin looks like. And in order to draw our attention to the parasitic nature of sin and how it corrupts and destroys what is good, what God has created, Plantinga writes the following, and I quote, The webbing together of God, humans, and all creation in justice, fulfillment, and delight is what the Hebrew prophets call shalom. In the Bible, shalom means universal flourishing, wholeness, and delight, a rich state of affairs in which natural needs are satisfied and natural gifts fruitfully employed, a state of affairs that inspires joyful wonder as its creator and savior opens doors and welcomes the creatures in whom he delights. Shalom, in other words, is the way things ought to be. God hates sin, not just because it violates his law, but more substantively because it violates shalom. Sin offends God not only because it bereaves and ass- or assaults God directly as it impiety or blasphemy, but also because it bereaves and assaults what God has made. Shalom is God's design for creation and redemption. Sin is blamable human vandalism of these great realities and therefore an affront to their architect and builder. Sin is culpable disturbance of shalom. As you can see, sin disrupts, corrupts, destroys what is good. But it also resists God's divine work of redemption and the, rest- the restoration of shalom. Sin severs the relationship between God and man. And as a result, despite being made in the image of God, people no longer live for God and they now live for themselves, doing whatever they want to do as long as it feels right for them. And this is a deliberate act of sinful rebellion against God, the one who has created them. And it is their public declaration of independence from God. Genesis 6.5, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And this is what Noah was up against. But he did manage to walk with God continually and faithfully. But even after the flood, It doesn't take very long for broken sinners to start another open rebellion against God, right? 
I mean, just take a good look at the Tower of Babel, Genesis 11. I mean, they wanted to make a name for themselves instead of, instead of living for God and making much of him. But here's the thing. This is the hidden impulse uh, of every human being because of sin. And this is precisely what is at the heart of every human being, the desire to build an ever-expanding and never big enough kingdom of self. Doesn't this look familiar, brothers and sisters? Does this sound familiar to you? I mean, this is precisely what happened with the Israelites, right? While they're journeying through the wilderness. And this is precisely what the Israelites did after entering the promised land. And this is mentioned throughout the Old Testament. We're also guilty of this. Because I do believe that this is also an accurate description of who we are and what we do. Judges 21-25, in those days there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And I do believe that some things never change, and we are also guilty of this. But unfortunately, this this has been the case since Adam and Eve, right? But we still see the same sinful dynamic in the hearts of everyone. We still see the same sinful patterns in the lives of everyone, and we are also guilty of this. And we will continue to struggle with this because of the indwelling sin within us. However, it was never meant to be this way. And this is not, this is certainly not the world that God has created. And this is what Noah was up against. But here's a remarkable thing. Even in the midst of all this corruption, sinful rebellion happening against God, Noah decided, Noah chose to walk with God. Noah did not walk away from him. Noah did not walk out on God. Noah remained faithful to him and did not undermine nor dismiss the word of God. Noah did not compromise. But here's the thing. In order to continue to walk with God continually and faithfully, Noah had to pay a steep price. Because walking with God during those days meant being mocked ridiculed, and cast aside, marginalized. Because standing up for God during those days meant standing alone. But Noah didn't care. And here Noah, I do believe, that shows us what gospel defiance looks like. Not following the patterns of this world. Refusing to conform to the patterns of this world. And it was a bold resistance against sin. It was a bold resistance against everything that gets in the way of loving God. And it was a bold resistance against anything that contradicts the word of God. That's all Noah cared about. And that's what enabled him to continue to walk with God. Even though he was surrounded by such corruption. Surrounded by people who made a mockery out of God. But Noah didn't do that. He resisted boldly. And he shows here, shows us what gospel defiance looks like. Jump to our second point, the Noah's radical obedience. If you look at verses 14 through 21, after giving him a solemn warning about the impending judgment, God commands Noah to, to build an ark. And God does give him specific instructions and dimensions. And according to Genesis 6, uh, 15, Noah's ark was 300 cubits in length, 50 cubits in width, and 30 cubits in height. 
See, one cubit is about 20 inches. So to help you visualize, I mean, this arc was massive, right? And length is about a one and a half football field. And, and the height of uh, Noah's Ark, um, if, it were, if it were to be um, here today, it would be about four-story. It was taller than a four-story house. I mean, this ark was massive. And this is something that you can uh, keep hidden from public. And when God commanded Noah to build this ark, it's not like he you know, hit this ark in his garage and he just kept it to himself all those years. No, he had to do this in, in public for all to see, right? I want to show you a picture of um, a modern-day Noah's Ark. Um, this is called the Ark Encounter, a life-size uh, Noah's Ark. And this is actually uh, located in Williamstown, Kentucky. It really exists. Uh, these people decided um, to, to actually build what, what Noah's Ark would, would look like based on the, the dimensions that God had given us. And, and it looks something like that. It is massive, right? It is huge. And then the question is this, how long did Noah to actually build something like this based on the dimensions and instructions that God had given him? I mean, Old Testament scholars have different opinions on, on the number of the, the years it took for Noah to build this thing. But one important thing that we need to focus on here is the fact that it took Noah really, really long time to build this. And he did. But as he was building this massive ark that God had commanded him to, how do you think the people around him responded? Just take a moment to just imagine that. Without a doubt, and I'm willing to bet that he was mocked, that he was ridiculed. Where is the rain, Noah? Is the rain really coming? Noah, what are you doing? Are you crazy? Because it took him years to build this thing, but yet he did not waver. He did not quit. He did not compromise. He did not give up, right? He was the object of mockery and ridicule. People made fun of him probably constantly, but Noah didn't care because the only thing that mattered to him was the word of God. And then he believed him and that he continued to build this ark. And in doing so, he continued to walk with God. But this is what was very important to Noah. You know, he decided to obey God's command to build this ark, right? But even if that meant that he would be looking foolish and ridiculous in the eyes of the, the people around him. But that didn't stop him. That didn't bother him. He didn't give in to peer pressure. He didn't fear men He didn't care about the opinions of the people around him because what mattered to him the most was the word of God, period. What mattered to him was God, period. What about you? You know, what about us? If God were to call us to do something like that, and this is not something that we could keep hidden at the comforts of our home, but this this has to be made public, I mean, this is what living faith ought to look like, right? It has to be seen, and we have to live it out so that people know that we are walking with God. If God were to ask you to do something like that, and people started making fun of you because it didn't make sense to them, how would you respond? Would you continue like Noah did? Or would you compromise so that you can blend in? 
because being made fun of is just too much. Because your reputation, your image is at stake. So would you quit or would you continue, right? And would you rather look cool and fit in, even if that means acting sinfully before God? You have a choice to make, brothers and sisters. And Hebrews 11.7 reminds us that for Noah, building this ark for years was an act of worship. Hebrews 11.7, by faith, Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. And by this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. The key word is reverent fear. And it's not, that word fear is not like, okay, uh, God's going to strike me that if I don't build this ark. No. It's an act of worship. It's a response, right? A reverent worship to God. Because that, would, that, that brings uh, Noah the, the most joy in his heart to obey God's word, to remain faithful to him and obedient to him, right? So building this ark itself was not just another thing that he, he would just you know, check off on his list, things to do for God. But no, it was an act of worship. And it was way, his way of remaining radically obedient to God and his word, even though the people around him were saying, Noah, you're crazy. What do you think you're doing? Is rain really coming? Is God really going to judge all of us? Are we all really all going to die? And I'm willing to bet that that every hour he spent building that ark, people made fun of him, right? But this is what living faith looks like. It lives under the authority of God, in the presence of God, and for the glory of God. And that's what it all mattered for Noah. He didn't care about the people around him. All he cared about was God himself and his word, and he trusted and believed God. You know, in, in response to, to this passage, uh, John Piper actually points out two things regarding Noah's response. There's an inner response and the outer response. And then the inner response was the fact that when, when Noah received this command from God to build an ark, and, and as God reminded him, yeah, that this flood is coming, Noah didn't question God nor did he try to reason with God to understand God more fully, right? He didn't doubt God. He just did it. And there was this inner response of worship, reverence, right? So in reverence, Noah prepared this ark. And Noah did not walk away from the task because it was beyond his comprehension. He just did it. It was an act of worship because he just wanted to please the one who has created him. And what was the outer response of this living faith? He decided to put it into action. He decided to build this ark and he continued to build this ark on a day-to-day basis until it was completed. And each day he went out to build this ark was in his declaration of allegiance to God. He did not waver. He didn't care about the people around him. But just imagine, right? Just imagine. You saw how massive it was, right? Just imagine how people might have responded. If there was social media during those days, I mean, this would have been this would have been viral, right? With hashtags, crazy, psycho, epic fail, complete waste of life, something like that, right? But Noah didn't care. Noah didn't care because he knew that he was doing the right thing because it, the word came from God 
himself. John Piper, he challenges us with the following words, and I quote, Christians live differently than they would if they didn't believe God. Nobody builds an ark in the desert. If you trust God, you do things that cannot be explained without God. Test yourself. What are you doing in your life that makes no sense to the world and can only be explained by God? If there's nothing, tremble. Faith in the living God first causes an inner revolution of values, reverencing God and reckoning Him faithful, and then it unleashes craziness. This is exactly what happened to Noah. And I do have some questions that I want to ask you guys, including myself. You know, when was the last time someone approached you and talked to you about your Christian life because it doesn't make any sense to them? When was the last time that happened to you? Has anybody ever asked you for the reasons why you live in such a radically different way? If the answer is no, perhaps there's nothing radically different about the way you have been living your life as a disciple of Jesus Christ and as a Christian. Have you been intentionally living to make much of Jesus Christ in and through your life? Or are you trying to make a name for yourself? You can't do both. It's either you build, build up the kingdom of God or you build up your own kingdom. There is a fundamental difference between a biography and a testimony. You know what the difference is? In a biography, you are the hero, but in a testimony, Jesus is the hero. You know, which one does your life reflect? Is it a great biography in the making, or is your life a living testimony, like that of Noah? See, are we living, have we been living in such a radically different way that people cannot help but to turn to us and say, what's up with that? Why do you live like that? Or have you been just blending in with what is happening around you and in this world? You've been just kind of on this cruise control because that's what's comfortable. You don't want to get too uncomfortable with your Christian life, right? But my question to you is, have you been displaying the type of gospel defiance that we have seen in the life of Noah, this open resistance to sin, open resistance to anything that gets in the way of loving God, and open resistance to everything that gets in the way of following Jesus when walking with him, right? Have you been showing and displaying that kind of gospel defiance against the norms and the patterns of this world, which not only contradicts, but also undermines and dismisses the gospel values? The gospel truth. Do you choose to remain defiantly gospel-centered against what is happening in this world, against all the evil and corruption that you see? And do you make sure that your life is defiantly gospel-oriented and gospel-driven? That you make sure that you fight to stand up for God and that you don't give in, that you don't give up, you don't simply compromise just to to be able to live a comfortable Christian life So have you been 
gospel defiant in your walk with God and where God has called you to stand. Have you been standing firmly? Even if that means you have to stand alone. I do believe that the temptation and our tendency is to settle into a routine that nobody cares, that nobody would even bother to look at because it just looks like every other life. I think that is our tendency, and and, and that's what we would rather do, just come up with a routine in our own Christian life. There's nothing radically different about it. But I think that would be an utter tragedy in light of what God is calling us to do, in light of the, the calling that God has given to us to shine the light of the gospel brightly in, in the place of the, the God has called us to be against all the pockets of darkness that exist in our own lives and around us, right? And this is why we have to really consider the price that Noah paid to walk with God, right? Open resistance, bold resistance, and also radical obedience, And Noah did this without wavering, right? And here Noah shows us what gospel defiance looks like and our lives ought to to display both facets of living faith, both resistance and radical obedience, right? John Piper, as he rebukes the church in America today, this is what he says, the church in America today is weak because it looks just like the world in almost every way. (laughs) Is that true of our church? What about our our own walk with God? Is there anything radically different? Have we been gospel defiant? Defiantly gospel centered, gospel oriented, gospel driven in our walk with God, right? And Tom Skinner challenges us as disciples of Jesus Christ to take a stand for God. And I quote, God's intention for the church is that it plants its feet smack in the middle of Satan's territory as a colony of God and that on that territory they live out the lifestyle of heaven and demonstrate the lordship and the authority of Jesus Christ so that people without uh, ever leaving the neighborhood can learn what the order of God is in heaven simply by observing the lifestyle of God's people with their true feet planted on the earth. The word occupy is a military word. Occupational force is a group of people who slip behind the enemy's line. They, grip, they grab a piece of the enemy's territory and hold it until the invasion comes. And there is an invasion coming. The kingdoms of this world are going to become the kingdoms of our Lord and he is going to reign forever and ever and every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that he is Lord to the glory of God. And until that invasion, our job is to keep slipping behind the enemy's line, grabbing pieces of his territory and occupying them, find the enemy's territory, stand on it and occupy it. This is what Noah did. And brothers and sisters, following Christ means there will come a time when you have to stand up and continue to remain standing firm for God, no matter what the cost, to be an outlier for Christ. 
in the midst of such corruption and depravity against the flow and the patterns of this world to demonstrate gospel defiance as you willingly choose to stand up and remain standing for Jesus Christ, even if that means you're standing alone. And this is our calling. And make no mistake, this will get uncomfortable. But how comfortable are you in your walk with God? Are you on a cruise control mode? Is anyone asking for the hope that is within you because you are living radically different? Or have you been just blending in, maintaining status quo? Because that's what's comfortable to you, right? At times, it means that you will be made fun of. That you will stick out. That you will be called out. You'll be given names that you do not want. That you'll be misunderstood that you will be mistreated and persecuted, that things will get very uncomfortable. But this is what it means to walk with God faithfully, as we have seen in the life of Noah. Bold resistance to sin and anything that gets in the way of loving God and and following Him, and also radical obedience to Him and His Word. Brothers and sisters, have we been gospel defiant something to think about right you know today we live in a postmodern society also in a post-christian culture and a postmodern society pretty much is where there is no such thing as absolute truth and in a post-christian culture is when christian values are no longer celebrated right and this is what uh, we are up against and this is the context in which we find ourselves today right so nowadays, truth is whatever looks right to you. Truth is whatever feels good to you. Truth is whatever works for you. Right? And God is calling us to bear witness in this context. Right? Fadi Bakum, and this is what he writes concerning what we are up against today. Today, our personal experience and personal interpretation of that experience is the unquestionable authority that, we, that all must submit to We have bought into the idea that experience trumps all and that the truth of Scripture isn't as as powerful as people's experiences. This is what you guys are up against. I mean, don't you guys have unbelieving friends who ask you? I'm sure you've been asked at least once in your life by an unbelieving friend. Do you really believe that stuff that's in the Bible? Do you really believe that's true? Because it doesn't make sense to them. Because they're the ones who think we're crazy, right? Because it doesn't work for them. It doesn't feel right for them. It doesn't look right to them, right? I mean, this is what we are up against. But brothers and sisters, this is why we must fight like Noah did as he continued to build that ark, that we must continue to fight to stand, to stand up for God, no matter what the cost if we want to continue to walk with him faithfully and continuously, it'll take courage and boldness. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and 
perfect. You know, as I close, I do want to ask you a series of questions. Now, how is your walk with God? Have you been walking with God faithfully? What have you been defying lately? You know, what is getting in the way of you following God faithfully and loving Him wholeheartedly and walking with Him continuously? What are you boldly resisting? Have you been compromising? You know, have you been radically obedient to God? Have you been gospel defiant? Have you been defiantly gospel-centered, gospel-oriented, gospel-driven in your life? Is your life radically different so that the people around you can't help but to grab you and, and ask, what's up with that? We need to have more and more moments like that. Because faith is something that ought to be lived out, should be seen. Where is your ark? Is it hidden in your basement? Do you only take it out on Sunday when you come to church? How big is your ark? Is it in public for all to see? That you're not ashamed of it, even if it doesn't make sense to the people around you, but you choose to remain faithful to that task that God has given you because you want to honor your Lord. You want to please him because that's what brings you the greatest joy, right? That you don't care about the opinions of the people around you, that you're not here to please men and to blend in, but you want to walk with God. So how are you doing with that, brothers and sisters? See, if the flood never happened, Noah should be pitied more than anyone in the world. But the flood did Happen according to the word of God, and Noah trusted God and believed him, and he did not doubt him for a second. See, we of all people, as Apostle Paul reminds us, should be pitied the most if the crucifixion of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Jesus Christ never took place. But we know that that is not the case, that it really did happen, that Jesus did go to the cross where he defeated sin, death, the enemy once and for all. And that on third day he was raised to life. And that he, and that he is coming back. And that on that day, defeated evil will be eradicated evil. And this is true because that's what the word of God says, period, right? And so brothers and sisters, so in light of this This is where we are headed. This is what's coming. And we know this is coming. And we know the certainty of it because God has said so. So let's continue to live in light of this, to have an eternal perspective, right? That day is coming when he will come to take us heavenward. But until that day comes in the places that God has called us to be, let's be gospel defiant. Let's continue to stand, stand up, Firmly for God, even if that means standing alone. Don't give in. Don't give up. Don't conform to the patterns of this world. Make sure, and you make sure, as you continue to walk with God by the grace of God, that that you are defiantly gospel-centered, gospel-oriented, gospel-driven in all that you do, so that you make sure you are living 
under the authority of God, in the presence of God, and for the glory of God, in the places that God has called you to be. And that's what it means to walk with him. And that's what Noah did. And I do believe that this is also possible for us by the grace of God. And let's continue to cling to him, fix our eyes upon him, and ask him to have mercy upon us and lavish upon us grace upon grace so that the same bold resistance and radical obedience that we have seen in the life of Noah can be seen in our own lives. So the people will come to us and they can't help but to ask, what's up with that? And that we will be able to not only share just with our words the hope that we have in Christ, but also with our actions and, and all of our lives to the glory of God. Let's pray. Father, we ask for forgiveness if we haven't been faithfully walking with you because there are times where we choose to just be comfortable in our, in our Christian life. But Father, just as we have seen and considered um, the life of Noah, Father, would you help us um, so that we can exhibit and display the same kind of bold resistance against sin and, and anything that gets in the way of loving you, following you, walking with you, that we will resist those things boldly. And the Father, that we will be able to also exhibit and display radical obedience to you no matter what the cost that we will not compromise. Help us to be gospel defiant as we continue to stand in the places you have called us to be. And Father, have mercy upon us and grant us strength through your spirit so that we may continue to walk with you. Father, we know that this world that we are living in is just becoming increasingly hostile to the Christian faith. But God, would you help us not to be afraid, but Grant us courage and boldness, Lord, that we will not back down, that we will not walk away, but continue to hold our ground for your glory. Thank you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.